Good morning, church. Uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we get to come and hear your word, uh, that we get to come and hear from you, uh, get to hear what you have to say to us. And so, God, I pray that as we hear you and as we experience you, that we would be able to know your compassion for us, that we would be able to know your mercy that you have for us, that we'd be able to know your love and care that you have for us. God, I, I just pray that this time that we will be able to know you, that we will come to love you with all our hearts. Uh, God, I do pray for this time. I pray that you would, that you would bless it, that you would bless it with an experience of you this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. So you know what I like about Chick-fil-A? Um, actually, there's a lot I like about Chick-fil-A, but um, there's one thing I believe that they do really well at is, is their drive through lines. Um, and especially during this time, I know that we can't go inside and order, and so you kind of have to wait in line or you have to uh, you know, do the little drive through or you know, curbside pickup. Um, but I do like their drive through lines. Why? More specifically, uh, it's because they have two lines. Uh, and not only that they have two lines, but in each line, they actually have two people taking your orders at any point. So at any point, there's four people taking your orders. And if you think about like, I think like McDonald's, they have like maybe they have like two ordering stations, but I actually think there's only one person alternating taking orders. And, um, and if you go to like Whataburger or any other um, you know, fast food place, there's only one lane. And, and it, just, it just takes forever to get your food, right? And I don't know if you... Guys have been around Canes on Main Street. That line is like on Main Street, um, waiting for the food. And 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 so I, I I think, and I think Chick Fil A they they know what people like. They know uh, that people don't want to wait. And so I think they do it well, right? I they, I just for me I, I just don't want to wait in those lines. And and I think Chick Fil A they know hey people will be happy if they don't have to wait that long. And even everything else in life, it's all about making things go faster. It's all about trying to make it so that we don't have to have patience anymore. Like the moment our phones start to lag, it's just like, ah, oh, like, like we don't want to wait for this app to, to load up. Or we don't want to wait for this video to load. All right? And the moment that the little circle on Netflix starts to spin, we're just kind of like, all right, what's taking so long? Right, all the phone companies are talking about, okay, they check out our 5G network. It's the fastest, the most reliable. And, and it's all about fast, fast, fast. You better, you, know, you better get your stuff quick. With most things today, they're just, they're just not fast enough. I mean, we need to, and it's all about we need to figure out how to make things go faster, how to make things go quicker. And we've just preferred not to wait. I mean, who likes to wait? I mean, I, I, I did say mostly everything, you know, mostly everyone doesn't like to wait for things. But there are a few things um, that, we, that we might wait for. We might wait for a good deal, right? Think, think Black Friday. People will wait hours and lines for a good deal. I, I, I think about people, maybe there are some who will wait in lines for a re-release of some Jordan 1s, right? And so people will wait for good deals. People will wait for some good shoes. People, people there are people who will... Um, smoke a brisket for 15 hours and we know at the end of that 15 hours once you wait for that brisket to cook um, that is going to be a good meal but waiting for something good to come is it's not something that we are 
it's not something we're used to. It's not something we like to do all the time. I mean, almost everything around us demands immediate results. So when it comes to a passage like today in James chapter 5, it should bring this tension out of us. Um, with the first two words in James chapter 5 verse 7, I want you all to look at that. James chapter 5 verse 7, it says this. It says, be patient. That, that, should, that should kind of almost for us, but we don't really want to wait sometimes. We don't have patience. And, and this right here, there should, this, this, there should be this tension that comes up. Be patient. James is addressing those who are going through suffering. And so he is asking, what does it mean to, to be patient in suffering? And that's what we kind of have to ask today. What, what does it look like to be patient? And so what I'd like to do today is to expand on this idea of being patient. Um, and, 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 I'll, and how I would do that is by answering these three questions. What are we waiting for? What do we do while we wait? And how do I continue to wait? And so I do want to quick say, do want to say a quick word uh, to those who might not be suffering now. I mean, even though James is addressing those who are suffering he, what he says here, um, they can still apply to us in everyday life. And the second thing I want us to, to see is uh, for those who are, who are not suffering right now, and sooner or later, we will go through suffering. Sooner or later, there is suffering that's going to come. And so again, um, even though you might think, you know, what does suffering have to do with me? I, I you know life is pretty good, and that's praise God for that. Um, but these things are still... Um, important to us in life and so uh, and, I, and I encourage you not to just not to zone out in this time and so what, what we want to do here the first question is what are we waiting for what are we waiting for specifically and so let's look into James chapter 5 James 5 7 says be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord be patient we're waiting for Jesus to come back Right back in chapter 1, uh, James, he, he addresses the people who, who are going through all sorts of trials, who are going through suffering. And even last week as J Pastor Jason was preaching, he was, there, was, there were these rich people who were oppressing the Christians. And so there's all this suffering that's going on. And so this is the background um, that James is trying to address of the suffering of the people of God. In, in James chapter 5, this is his encouragement. This is his answer to suffering. And his answer is to be patient and wait for the coming of the Lord. And Jesus is coming back. And that's what he's saying. And not only do we wait for Jesus to come back, but what James is wanting us to get here, and he is saying we're moving forward to this day. This day is coming for us. It's coming and, and it's coming for you. Every morning that you wake up, it's another day where you're moving closer to Christ. Every day, every single day, our hope should be growing because we can say we're this much closer to Christ. And, and so right now, Christine, she's in her 37 week of pregnancy. And, you know, uh, uh, and, and so at any day, this baby can come. Uh, any day... Uh, you know, it could, it could be, hopefully it doesn't happen right now, um, but hopefully it happens after this. But at any moment, something can happen, right? Even, even um, like the other week or 
past few weeks, people have been asking us, are you ready? Are you ready? The baby can come like four to six weeks early. And I'm just like, oh man, we're not ready. We still need to get this. We still need to buy that. And we're just kind of kind of freaking out a little bit. And even the other day, I saw these droplets of water on the ground. And I'm like, um, did the water break? Or what's going on here? And and I'm like, we're not ready. And, it, you know, I don't know what it looks like for the water break. I, I don't know if it's going to be a pool of water. You guys can tell me that. But for me, as, you know, first time, I, I don't know. I just saw water on the ground. That doesn't happen, right? Is there a leak? No, I don't know. But... But what, what I'm trying to say is that this baby is coming at any moment, and it's coming close, and she's coming no matter what. Whether we're ready or not, she is coming. She might even stay in the, in the stomach for a few extra days, but nonetheless, like, you know, in the next few weeks, yeah, life is going to be changed forever for us. So James here, he's telling, his, 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 he's telling the believers to be patient Wait for the coming of the Lord. The Lord is coming, and he's coming for you. You know, as believers today, we have the benefit. We have the benefit of knowing what is coming for us. We have the benefit of knowing what's hap- what happens when Jesus comes. And if you guys can, turn to Revelation, just a few pages of Revelation chapter 21. I just want to read this passage to you guys. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Again, as believers today, we we know what's coming for us. And this is coming for us in Revelation 21. And he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, a dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And the former things have passed away. And 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 he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is coming for us. We're waiting for this day to happen. We're waiting for Revelation 21 to happen when, when there's no more tears and there's no more pain and there's going to be an end to all of this suffering. We're waiting for when Jesus comes down and when he says, Behold, I am making all things new. This is the moment that is coming for us when all things are going to be made new. And I know at this time, maybe we're all waiting for a vaccine to have, you know, for this virus. To, to, and that day can't come soon enough. And I'm just waiting. Okay, maybe in the beginning of next year that, that we can all get this vaccine and maybe life can go back to normal. But there's so much more that needs to be eradicated from this earth. There's so much more that needs to be taken care of. There's hatred. There's, there's sex trafficking. There's brokenness, there's selfishness, there's racism, there's anxiety, there's mental health issues. And all of these things need to be eradicated. All of these things Jesus comes and makes new. And and all of the suffering in the world, like, yes, this vaccine can't come soon enough, but... 
Um, the reality is that the longing for Jesus, that's even greater. The longing for him to come back, that is even greater. And so what James is telling us here is to hold on, be patient, because Jesus is coming back. So that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the return of Christ. So what do we do while we wait? And the second point is, the second question is, what do we do while we wait? Um, you know, you might be thinking, well, yeah, okay, great. That is great. Jesus is coming back, and that is kind of this future reality. I um, mean, I believe it. I long for it, and I'm praying for it. I mean, and we're thinking, this is all good stuff, but what, did that, but what about now? What about now? What, what do I do in the meantime? What, am I, what do I do right now in my suffering when it's hard? What do I do? Do we, do, we, do we just sit here and just kind of fill ourselves with Netflix and the NBA? It's kind of like what we're doing right now. We're do, or at least we're doing that for the next few weeks when, you know, the NBA playoffs and that, you know, that, that comes and goes. And maybe we'll wait for, um, you know, the football season to start. And, and, and all, you know, do we just fill ourselves with these things and that's it? So what do we do now? What do we do now as we're waiting for Christ to come back? And so turn back with me to James chapter 5, and let's read verses 2 through 10. I'm sorry, uh, uh, verses 8 through 10. And it says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And as an example of suffering, patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. What do we do while we wait? The answer to that is we establish our hearts for the kingdom. What do we, what do, we do while we wait? We, we, we turn our eyes away from our suffering and we live committed to the end that is coming for us. We live with this kingdom mindset. We live for this kingdom because Jesus, he's already, he's already begun bringing this kingdom here. Right? James, he says that the coming of the Lord is at hand. You can already see glimpses of this kingdom. He, he, he goes on then to say right here, he says, Behold, the judge, the judge is standing at the door. Those two phrases, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the judge is standing at the door. So what do we do while we wait? We turn our eyes away from our own suffering. And we live and we establish our hearts. We establish our hearts, as he says here. We establish our hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We establish our hearts for the coming of the Lord. We, we live for that kingdom that is going to come in Revelation, in 20, in Revelation 21. I mean, we don't just sit around, but we work for it. We work towards it. And, and if you look at it, look at the example that, that James brings up. There's two examples that he brings up. And the first example he brings up is about the farmers. In verse 7, he look at it. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it, re until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. 
So there's a rain that comes before uh, that, that the, the, the farmers wait on before they can start sowing the seeds. And then this, this happens at, uh, at the beginning of fall. And so there's that rain. And, that, and also at the end uh, of, uh, of the season, there is another rain that comes in spring where um, this comes before the crops kind of blooms. And so, and so there's these two rains, these kind of bookend rains that the farmer kind of waits for. And what James is trying to say here is, Look, as a farmer, as he waits for these rains, there's something that needs to happen, right? He doesn't, and there's this kind of active waiting sense to that, that James puts on it. Um, and, and so as a farmer, as he waits for it, he doesn't just sit there. He doesn't just, okay, he plants his seed and goes back in and just kind of does whatever he wants. But what does he do? He works the ground. He does whatever he can uh, to, uh, in order for the crops to rise. And, and so that's what's going on. And so that's what James wants to see, and that there is this work that needs to be done as you are waiting. And we turn our eyes away from our, uh, from our suffering, and we establish our hearts. We establish our hearts. We set our hearts for the coming of the Lord. We live for the advancement of the kingdom of God. This is how we get through our suffering. This is, and we, we, we set our eyes on the kingdom. We set our eyes uh, on the benefit of others. And if you look at it, right? If you look at this in this passage in verse 10, what does James say? He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And so that's what he's getting at. He says, these people who went out and in the middle of their suffering, they're going out and living on this mission. They're going out living for this kingdom. They're going out. Yes, they're going through suffering. Yes, they're going through a lot of hard times. They're going through a lot of persecution. But in the middle of that persecution, in the middle of that suffering, they are going out in the name of the Lord. Um, they, all, all they're doing is they're bringing about glimpses of this kingdom. Right? They're bringing about glimpses of Revelation 21 to the suffering of others around them, to the people around them who need to hear this message of God. When we begin to take our eyes off of our own circumstances, when we begin to take our eyes off of what we're going through in our suffering, we begin to be committed to the kingdom. Our hearts begin to be established for the kingdom. And I think, about, I think about Jesus the night um, before he goes to the cross. In Luke chapter 22, in verse 20, uh, 42, verse 44, he says this. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then he appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I hope y'all heard what is going on in this passage. And it says that Jesus was in so much anguish. He knew what was coming for him. He didn't want to go to the cross. He, there, there was so much stress. There was so much turmoil. There was so much anguish that he sweated drops of blood. This is the ultimate picture of someone who takes their eyes off of their own circumstances, off of their own suffering, and lives for the advancement of the kingdom. He knew what he was about to suffer. 
And what he was about to suffer was way more than the prophets, way more than, um, than the prophets that James had brought up. And what he was about to suffer was way more than, the, was way more than just the crucifixion that he died, a lot, you know, the same death that the thief had died. This was so much more than the, the flogging that he was about to go through. But when the weight of the world, when the weight of sin of all those who will come to believe in him, when the weight of that sin are placed onto his shoulder, that suffering, that, that, that suffering is something that we as believers will never have to experience. That suffering is something that we'll never have to see and never have to feel ever. We might experience death. We might experience brokenness. We might experience pain here on now. We might experience discomfort. But his suffering on that cross, taking on the sins of those who will believe in him, that was way more than what we experience here today. So Jesus, he takes his eyes off of his own suffering and his eventual condemnation on our behalf. And, he, and he, he, he looks and he looks towards the purpose of the Father. Because in that passage, he goes, Father, if you are willing, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Take it away. I don't want to go through this. He doesn't want to go to the cross but he took his eyes off of himself and he took his eyes off of his suffering and was committed to the kingdom that is to come. So as we wait for Christ to come back, we don't just sit around, but we live for this kingdom. We, we take our eyes off of ourselves. We take our eyes off of our suffering. We take our eyes off of our, our, um, our um, whatever we're going through, our circumstances. All the while, we, we, we take our eyes off ourselves, establishing our hearts for the kingdom. And we know that as we do this, and, and as we do this, we know that God is in the middle of all this. And that is the third point that we're going to see here, that, that you know, how do we continue while we wait? How do we continue? What is going to happen as we wait? And, I'll, and let's read James chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. James 5, 11 through 12 says this. Behold, we consider blessed who those, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yeses be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. How do we continue to wait? What do we do? You know, you know, as we wait for Jesus to come, we live for his kingdom. We live for this. And, 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 and how do we go about uh, uh, as we wait? How do we go about as we live for his kingdom? Well, we go knowing that God has not abandoned us in our suffering. We go as we wait. We know that God has not left us to suffer by ourselves. Because in both, of, in both of these verses in James chapter 5, verse 10, 11, God has not left Job or the Christian to deal with their sufferings themselves. Jo- James, he brings up the story of Job, um, but he also brings out the outcome of the story of Job. 
And more specifically, he doesn't necessarily talk about what Job receives back um, at the end of his at the end of his story. But more specifically, what Joe, uh, what James talks about is that he points out what God, what is God's heart in Job's situation. He he points out that all the blessing that Job does receive back is because of God's compassion and His mercy. So God was there all along in his suffering. And if you read on in verse 12, God does not want his people to make these false promises that they can't uphold. God doesn't want his people to take things into their own hands and try to fix situations they cannot fix. And he's telling them, I will be the avenger. I will make I will be the one to right the wrongs. And so I know you've been mistreated. I know, I, I know that you're in the middle of this situation. I know what's going on. And, and, and what I want you to know is that I am in the middle of this situation. And I have not abandoned you. And so don't try to try to fix this situation in yourself. Don't try to tell people, I'm going to do this. Say, And don't try to tell people, you know what? You know, I will take care of it. And, and, and you know, when you really can't take care of it. And so that's why he says, let your yeses be yeses and let your noes be no, because don't try to fix the situation when you can't. Don't try to take things into your hands and put it into your own power when you have no power. But rather, God is saying this, I will be the avenger of, your, of the wrongs that are happening to you. And God wants you to know that he has not left you in your circumstances. God wants you to know what his heart is in the middle of your circumstances. And in the middle of your circumstances is, is compassion, complete compassion and full of mercy for you. That is the purpose of the Lord. That is the heart of, of God when it comes to the suffering in your life, that there is compassion and mercy. Maybe there's some of us who feel... Right now, in the middle of your suffering, we we feel like God has abandoned us. Maybe you feel like God has left you alone to suffer by yourself. Maybe you feel like God doesn't really care about you, and he's not really there fighting for you. Maybe you feel like God is, maybe you feel like God's not a good God, and he's just kind of like, all right, I'll let you suffer. Or maybe there's some of you in here, you feel like the, 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 the suffering you're going through, that you deserve that suffering. And maybe you feel like, you know what, you sin so much that, that you out the extent of God's mercy. And so you believe that God has given you over to the suffering, um, you, you know, and, and given you over to the consequences of your sin. And so you feel like God has left you alone to suffer. But when in fact James, he wants his readers to know he wants his readers to know God's heart for his people. He wants his, his readers to know God's affections for you. He wants his readers to know that, that he is all about compassion. He has all compassion and all mercy for you. And in suffering, God knows and feels the ex- God knows and feels what's going through, and he extends his, he extends his hands to save you. James wants you to know that God does care. And as believers in Christ, as those of us who know, if we know Jesus, we cannot look to the cross and say, no, I don't believe God loves us. 
I, you know, we can't look to the cross and say, no, I, I don't believe God cares for me. I think most of us might know the verse John, uh, John 3.16. Uh, if you don't know John 3.16, I'll read it for you, right? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so many times we look at this, this verse and we think, and we look at the word so, right? And we think, and we think God loves us so much. God loves us this much. Or we kind of extend our hands out and we, <clears throat> and we go, yeah, God loves us so much that he was sent his son to die down for, die, die for us. But a better way to translate this is, 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 you should read it in this way. It says, in this way, God loves us. So in this way, God loved the world. And so you see in John chapter 3, 15, we have to read that first. John chapter 3, verse 15, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And in that context, John goes, in this way, in this way, in this way of the Son of Man being lifted up, that is how you know that God loves you. You want proof that God loves you? It's not about your circumstances. You want proof that God loves you? It's not about a good life. You want proof that God loves you? It's not going to be about what he has blessed you with. You want proof that God loves you? It's not based on any of our circumstances, but rather it is going to be based upon the cross of Jesus Christ. You want proof in this way God loved us. In the way that he lifted up his son to die so that if we look towards him, we would be saved. We can look to the cross of Christ and we can know for a fact that God loves us. And we can look to the cross and we need to look to the cross each and every day knowing that God loves us and that he has not abandoned us in our sin. He has not abandoned us in our suffering. He has not abandoned us to leave us to fight for ourselves. Um, but instead he, steps, instead, he steps in and he takes us out of our sin. He steps in in place of our sin to take us out of our sin, to take us out of the suffering. And we know God's heart. We know Revelation 21 is coming for us. We know that these things are coming and God's heart is for the salvation of people and, and he desires all to come. You know, he desires for many to come to know. He desires for people to be saved. So God has not abandoned you in your suffering. He has not abandoned you to fight this fight alone. So I know it's not, it's not easy to go through suffering. It's not easy, and, and the days seem long in the middle of suffering, right? These days, as we go through um, this, this, this stay-at-home order, you know, the days seem long. It's not easy. I, I know it's not easy. But in the middle of this uneasiness, in the middle of these hard times, in the middle of these suffering, we can look towards Jesus we can look towards that moment when he was praying and we can look towards his moment of agony. We can look towards that moment and if we go and if we think, if we just think, hey, if Jesus did not abandon us in that time, if Jesus did not abandon us uh, when he was in his darkest time of, uh, you know, right before the darkest times, we know that he will not abandon you in your darkest day. 
And we know he is coming back to make all the dark days bright. And he is going to come back to right every wrong. So we wait for his kingdom. We wait for the time when Jesus comes back. But until then, we live to bring his kingdom here. And let's pray. God, I just pray and I ask that you would, that you would bring comfort to those who are going through darkness. That you would bring comfort to those who are, are, are suffering in these moments. And I pray that they would see that, that your mercy is there. Your love is there. Your compassion is there. That your mercy is greater. And as I was about to sing, your mercy is more. Your mercy is greater than our darkest days. So may we continue to wait for you. Um, may, we, may we look towards you. I pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.